W233AH Monticello. Live from Radio Catskill Studios in Liberty, New York, this is the local edition. News and information keeping you connected in the Catskills, Northeast Pennsylvania. I'm your host, Jason Dole. Thank you so much for being here. We've got news tonight. Housing is a major issue in New York. What are all the options being explored? New York Focus has a new article called uh, Could Unions Break New York's Housing Impasse? We'll talk to the reporter who's investigating that. Sam Mellons joins us in the second half of this program. First, this is where we start off on a Wednesday evening, getting the latest local news on our weekly news roundup with the River Reporter. And for that, we turn to the River Reporter's own Liam Mayo. Liam, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. So, um... Let's start with some statewide news in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Uh, I hear you're you're looking at some special elections, uh, and the Democrats uh, won some in Pennsylvania. What does that mean? Yeah, um, so there was a special election in Allegheny County um, where Democrat Lindsey Powell defeated her Republican challenger um, for the Pennsylvania House of Representatives, so the state House of Representatives, um, and that put the lower chamber of the um, Pennsylvania legislature in the Democrats' control by a slim margin. It's 102 to the Democrats, 101 to the Republicans. Um, And this is something that we've kind of seen coming, but it's been a long time to get here. Uh, There was a sort of moment uh, back during last November's elections where the Democrats did sort of win a slim majority in the House of Representatives, but um, there were two resignations and a death, uh, which sort of depleted their numbers. I believe that two of the members who were serving in the House of Representatives got elected to higher offices. So we kind of needed to wait for the final uh, elections to kind of come through before um, before what was happening in the House could be sort of nailed down again. And now following this most recent election, things are kind of back to being nailed down there with uh, that slim majority for the House of Representatives for the Democrats. Wow. Um, and is there is there is there anything besides uh, celebrating coming from uh, the other Democrats uh, in the state right now? Is there any indication as to what they want to start working on now that there's been this shift in power? Well, I think the next thing that the legislature is still kind of working on is the um, is still the state budget. Um, even though there is this Democratic control in the House of Representatives as well as in the governor's office, uh, the state Senate is um, Republican controlled. And we've, I think, talked a couple of times on this show about 
some of their disagreements that slowed down the budget process, specifically over a school voucher program, um, which would sort of, uh, Republicans say, give students more choices in where they could go to school. Democrats kind of say that would be at the expense of public schools. Um, so because of the way all of that resolved, uh, most of the budget was able to pass, but there are still some code bills that need to get passed. And uh, Republicans in the Senate sort of have been in no rush to pass those bills, um, sort of with a bad feeling in their mouth over some flip-flops Governor Josh Shapiro did about that uh, voucher program during the budget process. Um, and that leaves uh, programs like public legal defense and housing programs in limbo until those are passed. So even though there is this election and there is this sort of new stability in the House, that is still a major item open on the table that um, I imagine legislators would like to have closed. All right, great. Well, thanks for letting us know about that. Now, um, a little uh, uh, on the New York side of the river in Sullivan County, Sullivan 180 is holding an awards ceremony, and you're keeping an eye on that too, right? Yeah, um, it held its third annual Empowering a Healthier Generation Awards Ceremony on September 21. Um, And this is a program that sort of tries to help uh, students in schools um, just live healthier lives. It implements a multitude of in-school programs. Uh, there's stuff like student yoga, mental health curriculum, focus on nutrition in the cafeteria, school fitness centers. Um, and these awards sort of incentivize schools to put those programs in place for their students. Um, and these awards that were awarded at that ceremony, uh, sort of incentivize those programs. They, uh, Sullivan West Elementary School got first place and took home $75,000. And uh, Benjamin Cosner Elementary in the Fallsburg School District took uh, $50,000. So it's it's a thing where putting healthier programs in schools is kind of its own reward. You just have healthier children, better health outcomes, um, that kind of thing. But there's also this little bit of extra money to both Uh, support those programs and also incentivize schools to make those things happen. Cool. Um, And uh, is there, is there anything else you want folks to know about that? Um, Nothing specifically about that. Okay. All right. Great. And then um, job Corps at Calcoon Depot. I heard about that. What are, what are they up to? Yeah. um, So, The Calicoon Depot project has been going on for a while to rehabilitate it um, for uh, the purposes of the community, but there's a loading dock sort of on the building that is even in the building's current state key for a number of community events, um, stuff like the Calicoon County Fair, Art Walk, Dickens on the Delaware, have events that take place using the loading dock as a stage. Um, and that, um, that dock was examined 
earlier in the summer for its weathering, and I was determined that there was some repairs needed for that structure. And uh, Job Corps students or volunteers from the Delaware Valley Job Corps Center um, are dismantling and rebuilding that stage um, and uh, expecting to reopen it in time for Art Walk on the second weekend in October, so not that far away. Wow. Okay. So that that's that's pretty cool that they're they're doing that work. Have you been by to see what it looks like? Not recently, no. But I've been by that building at a prior date, and it is sort of a very historic structure in the middle of uh, Calicoon's downtown. So it's um, sort of important for that community. And it's part of um, a lot of beautification projects in the community. Apparently, Job Corps has um, helped other projects in the hamlet of Calicoon in uh, previous instances. Uh, they've worked uh, to plant uh, for plantings. They've worked to install a fence. They've worked uh, sort of to help beautification on Lower Main Street. So this... Uh, one specific repair element is part of an overall beautification and just support effort for all of Calicoon downtown. Yeah. And then when it comes to the depot itself, the depot is kind of at the center of a lot of uh, not just beautification initiatives, but, you know, uh, prosperity initiatives in the town, you know, as you said, the different events that take place there. Uh, and and then it's literally in the center of town, pretty much. It's like right there in between the upper and lower Main Street, and it's it's right at the heart of things. So good to see that work's being done on on historical buildings uh, to keep their history uh, going in the present day, and you know, yeah. keep things safe and all that. That that balance is important. Both keep things historic, keep things the way they were, but also make sure that no one's going to fall through rotting <laughs> historically accurate plants. That's great. Okay. So, um, well, Liam, I want to thank you for joining us, but uh, uh, River Reporter, new edition, comes out tomorrow in the digital space and on newsstands in our area. Uh, is there anything else in the paper that uh, we should keep an eye out for? Yeah. Um, keep an eye out for a press release about all of the awards that uh, WJFF Radio Catskill has received from the <laughs> New York State Broadcasters Association. Uh, congratulations for all your work there. All right. Well, thank thank you for thank you for doing that. I, I didn't realize we're in the news, but uh, I should have. So, <laughs> thanks thanks for the thank you. Uh, um, all right. Well, Liam, we'll we'll talk to you again next week, and I'll remind everybody to be listening for your um, headlines uh, this weekend on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, headlines for both New York and Pennsylvania from Liam Mayo, the River Reporter. Liam, thank you one more time for joining us. Thank you for having me. We're going to take a quick break here. When we come back, we'll be checking in live with New York Focus. Could unions break New York's housing impasse? Sam Mellons will tell us more. Stay with us. You're listening to The Local Edition, winner of Excellence in Broadcasting Awards from the New York State Broadcasters Association. Radio Catskill. Listen local. Hello, I'm Thane Peterson, host of Living Jazz. You know, jazz is a great improvised art form that started in America, spread around the world, and is still going strong. That's why every Saturday afternoon I bring you the best in current jazz, 
It's the newest, most interesting music you can hear anywhere. Join me for Living Jazz, noon to two Saturday, here on Radio Catskill. Support comes from the Women's Health Center in Holmesdale, Hamlin, Waymart, Carbondale, and Lords Valley in Pennsylvania. Physicians and certified midwives who deliver. The Women's Health Center is a Wayne Memorial Community Health Center. WMH.org. NACL Theater Highland Lake. Innovative performance and community action. NACL.org. And from listener donations at WJFFRadio.org. Fasten your seatbelts. It's nearly time to blast off with the Retro Cocktail Hour. Daryl Brogdon here inviting you to drop in at the Underground Martini Bunker for classic tiki tunes, private eye jazz, swinging movie music, and other stereo overstimulation. The Retro Cocktail Hour. Wednesday night at 7 on Radio Catskill. Forget the seatbelts. Fire up the cocktail shaker. Welcome back to the local edition news and information keeping you connected in Catskills, Northeast Pennsylvania. Here on the local edition in Radio Catskill, here at Radio Catskill, we've been following the housing issue in our listening area. It's a housing crisis, really, as rents, home prices, and homelessness have reached all-time highs in New York. And you may recall Democratic Governor Kathy Hochul was unable to get the democratically-led legislature to adopt her top-of-the-line, top-priority budget measures on housing earlier in the year. And then they weren't able to come together and pass any other significant housing laws before the legislative session ended in Albany for the year. Now, uh, by contrast, when it came time for California to tackle its housing crisis, it was crucial to involve labor. However, according to New York Focus, unions in New York believe that Governor Hochul has made minimal efforts to involve them when it comes to housing. It's all in an article titled, Could Unions Break New York's Housing Impasse? It's by Sam Mellons, who is on the phone with us now. Welcome to the program, Sam. Hey, great to be here. So, um, you know, I, I was kind of roughly outlining this the nature of the housing crisis. I was wondering if you could describe, you know, what are some of the key factors contributing to the housing crisis? And uh, is it widely acknowledged that it's actually a crisis? Are, are, are lawmakers on, on either side of the aisle or both sides of the aisle actually referring to this as a crisis in New York? Pretty universal agreement that the rent is too high, home prices are too high, homelessness is too high. There isn't enough housing in the areas of the state with high economic opportunity, though that doesn't mean that people want to see more housing in their own neighborhoods. But I don't think there are really major voices in state politics who are denying those things. Okay, so then what are some of the key factors that are actually contributing to this current housing situation in New York State? Well, I mean, I think the the first thing has to you know, be that there is just not enough housing to house all the people who are currently living here and who want to live here. Uh, supply is low, the price goes up, and that's why we see these these skyrocketing rents and home prices around the state, particularly in New York City and its suburbs. I think 
Uh, a lot of people, especially, you know, coming out of the pandemic and all the economic hardships that went with, are really struggling to make their rent payments. Their, people are facing eviction. Housing courts are extremely delayed, you know, for people to uh, either <laughs> face eviction or defend themselves against eviction proceedings. Um, and so whether, you know, you're a tenant, someone looking to buy a home, I think people are really getting squeezed from all ends here. Yeah, that that sounds right. That you know, anecdotally, that's what I would say is happening. So it's uh, you know good to hear somebody who's actually doing the reporting. You know, uh, saying that that's the case because that's what it sure seems like. Um, you know, we, we mentioned at the beginning uh, the role of labor uh, in addressing the housing crisis in California. So I was wondering what role um, have unions played in shaping housing policy, and how how does it compare or contrast between California and New York? Right. So unions overall are just a really powerful force in New York state politics. And in in this article, we were sort of comparing things to California, where the same is true. These are, you know, big, heavily Democratic states with strong labor movements that have been suffering from housing crises. One of the big differences that you pointed to is that in California, in recent years, this hasn't always been true, but in recent years, some powerful unions uh, like the the carpenters, uh, like the unions representing school employees, have gotten on board with uh, Governor Gavin Newsom's goals of increasing the supply of housing in the state in a significant way. Whereas uh, when uh, Governor Hochul here was trying to push forward a plan to do the same in New York, she didn't really have any unions on her side or you know behind her in that push. And it's not clear that she even tried particularly hard to get them on her side before unveiling the plan or while she was pushing for it. You know, the headline of your article is, Could Unions Break New York's Housing Impasse? And, you know, immediately I think of what we outlined at the beginning, that, you know, the governor had big ideas and top priority budget measures that she wanted to address the housing issue and wasn't able to bring the legislature along. The legislature didn't do anything else significantly legislatively before the session ended. So when I hear, like, housing impasse, I was really thinking, like, between, uh, you know, the governor, between Democrats and Democrats in Albany. Uh, but is this, are you implying, is there also a bit of an impasse between the governor and unions then too? Yeah, I think there's some sort of fundamental disagreement on what a housing package should look like, particularly between the construction unions and the governor. There's a group called the uh, New York Building Trades Council. It represents about 200,000 unionized construction workers across the state. Uh, there's also the powerful Union 32BJ, which is part of the SEIU, which represents building maintenance workers, you know, supers, porters, doormen, that kind of thing. And what they want to see accompanying a package like what the governor was proposing is some measures that will protect their members, some measures that will say, uh, OK, if we're going to be getting all these new, this new housing, then at least in some of it, we want wage floors that are you know higher than the minimum wage. We want wage floors that can support a, uh, you know, the middle class lifestyle that the unions try to guarantee for their members. Um, We want benefit floors that will, you know, take care of health care needs and whatever. We don't want these, the new jobs in building and maintaining this housing to be low income jobs. This has what has worked to, to get unions on board in some cases in California. It doesn't seem to be something that the governor has been particularly interested in. She didn't include it in her initial proposal. And there wasn't, from what I reported, a ton of discussion about it as 
the proposal is being discussed and debated this year in Albany. And that being the case, were, were, how active have the unions been at kind of knocking on the door saying, hey, we might, we, we might give you some support if you actually come through on this? They've been, they've been trying to get the governor to pay attention to this? To some degree, yes. I think um, the president of the AFL-CIO said something to that effect. The, the head of the, the laborers union said something to that effect. I think some of the unions were communicating that to the governor during uh, budget talks. But the, when the governor unveiled her plan, it was really met with a wave of very strong opposition from a lot of legislators, particularly in the suburbs of New York City and in the more suburban areas of New York City itself. And I think it seemed to the union officials that I was speaking with that the governor hadn't really done the groundwork to get enough legislators on board to make her plan a live possibility. So they were more focused on their other priorities that didn't have to do with her plan than negotiating the details of a plan that they didn't think was going to pass anyway. And it turned out they were right. Wow. All right. So um, and then the unions are also are the unions also looking for for other things like uh, 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 on rent and eviction and issues like that? Right. So that's another piece of the puzzle that sort of complicates things is some of I mentioned in California, some of the unions that have really strongly been supporting housing measures are actually not construction or, or building worker unions, things like school employees and healthcare workers. In New York, the powerful unions representing those groups, to the extent that they're focused on housing, are, are really focused on measures to protect tenants. You know, many of their, me- their members are tenants who uh, could potentially be facing significant rent hikes or evictions. So unions like uh, 1199 SEIU, which represents healthcare workers, the Hotel Trades Council, which represents hosp- the hospitality industry. They, one of the things they really want to see is uh, a law known as good cause eviction, which would cap year over year rent increases in many uh, apartments statewide and give tenants the right to renew their lease if they stay current on the rent and follow the terms of the lease. So, um, and then uh, how about you? Un- how are unions doing in terms of health uh, for unions in housing construction and membership of of uh, those unions? Like, is is this a, are they strong? Are they very robust? Um, How is their membership doing? So the construction unions are still strong. They still get a lot of work. You know, they have hundreds of thousands of members statewide. They're still major players in state politics. But it's not what it once was, especially in residential construction. The industry has increasingly been turning to non-union labor, which, to be fair, is cheaper, uh, although the unions will argue that it's uh, not as safe and not as high quality. Um, and so I think that's part of the reason that when it comes to major statewide housing initiatives, the unions are really trying to draw a line in the sand and say, you're not going to do this without the things that we want in it, because they want to take this moment to sort of reverse the direction uh, that things have been trending. Wow. So that's that's like another level of this, because then what, what you've got is it's not just that they're looking out for the best interest for their members, which is, you know, what a union does. But they're they're kind of it's a, almost an existential thing at that point. They're they're concerned about, you know, the, that membership trend. Yeah, there's one quote that I want to read you just because I think it's so instructive that a union official told me as I was uh, reporting this article, they said to me, 
Unions are fighting for their lives because their residential market share has been so decimated. People are focusing on making sure that the playing field is fair, because when that happens, unions are going to win jobs and people are going to join unions. So there you have it. Right, right. Okay, and um, what about the issue of good cause eviction? And is that part of the struggle here, too? Yeah, I think we're we're sort of getting at why it's been so difficult to uh, come to an agreement on this with, in, a, in a Democratic supermajority state with a Democratic governor, because, as mentioning, these unions really want good cause eviction. There are powerful uh, tenants' rights groups like Housing Justice for All that really want it. There's many uh, legislators, including the, uh, the chair of the Assembly Housing Committee, Linda Rosendahl, who are really strong proponents of it. And so there's a, there's a, a big camp that wants to see that in any housing package. And then the governor opposes it. The Real Estate Board of New York, which represents uh, developers and landlords in New York City, a very powerful lobbying group that the governor has a close relationship with that we've reported on, they oppose it as well. Some de- Democratic legislators uh, oppose it. And so and it's just been a subject of really fierce debate in Albany over the past few years. So if you have some people saying we can't have a housing deal without it, and then some people, including the governor, saying that she would threaten to veto anything that included it, and you're also trying to pass measures to boost the supply of housing statewide, you know, you could call it herding cats. I bet. So is there, I mean, you already said that you haven't really seen the governor taking this seriously. Is there, is there any indication of any interest on her part in working with labor unions? At least on the housing issue. Yeah, sorry. Right. She's continued to emphasize the need for more housing statewide very strongly after the legislature left Albany for the year in June. She's done lots of events about it. She issued an executive order to offer grants to municipalities that prioritize housing. Um, There was a really interesting incident. I think I actually talked about it on your show a few months ago, where as part of that executive order, she gave a tax break to developers building new apartment buildings in the Gowanus neighborhood in Brooklyn. 32BJ, the powerful union that represents building service workers, supported that because they have an agreement with the developers that their men, that uh, the building service workers will be guaranteed a certain level of wages. All the construction unions opposed it, and, and many criticized her for it because they don't have a similar agreement with the developers. So that was... Uh, another sort of, I guess, rocky moment in her relationship with the unions that could be instrumental in getting a housing deal across the finish line. I'm wondering what's next for the housing issue and then also what's next for you as a reporter and do those things intersect? Are you going to continue to be on this beat? And if so, what what are you looking at uh, on the horizon? Uh, I'm definitely going to continue focusing on that. What's next on the housing issue is is the big question because uh, you know when when as you said it was the top priority for the governor in Albany this year and it really got nowhere. Uh, you sort of think to yourself, well, what's going to be different next year? That like what 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 will be happening next year that wasn't happening this year that would make things any different? And I think that's still an open question to a significant degree, but. You know, we've mentioned California a few times, and they they still have a housing crisis, but they've taken serious steps towards addressing it. And that didn't happen overnight or even in the course of one year. It's been a long 
uh, effort by many different groups and legislators over the course of many years, and they're still working at it. They're still trying to pass new laws and trying to finesse the laws that they have passed so that uh, people can't, you know, find loopholes and get around them and not build housing. So I think it will be a long process in New York as well, but I think it's not a ball that people are taking their eyes off. Yeah, it's going to take some time. There's not going to be any one single uh, uh, clear solution to it. And as you say, what happens next is still an open question, but you may have uh, found part of the answer. Uh, The article that we've been talking about is called Could Unions Break New York's Housing Impasse? We've been talking to the reporter that wrote that article, Sam Mellons from New York Focus. The article is up at WJFFRadio.org. That's our website, WJFFRadio.org. And New York Focus is online at NYSFocus.org. Sam, thank you so much for being here with us and going over all this great reporting. That's NYSFocus.com, and it's great to be here. I really, really enjoyed this conversation. Thanks so much. Have a good evening. You too. Sorry about that. Yes, it's New York NYSFocus.com. WJFFradio.org. That's going to do it for the local edition tonight. I've been your host, Jason Dole. Be back. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow night. We'll have more local edition for you. You know, the other thing that's happening tomorrow is our community awards. We're going to have our award ceremony. We're honoring arts and culture in our listening area. I'm going to be there. I hope you're going to be there, too. For tickets and information, it's WJFFradio.org. You want to stay with us? Coming up at 7 o'clock, two hours of great music with Daryl Brogdon. It's the Retro Cocktail Hour. Before that, we've got the Daily Next and the latest news from NPR Keep listening on air. Go to WJFFRadio.org. Listen online or ask your smart device, your smart speaker to play Radio Catskill. This is Radio Catskill. We're WJFF Jeffersonville, W233AH Monticello. Public radio for the Catskills, Northeast Pennsylvania. And we are keeping you connected. Listen local.